Well, good morning. I want to give you the option to think about two different things this morning. One of them has nothing to do with the sermon. Um, at the announcement times, you'll be given an opportunity to write somebody's name down that you might want to invite to Alpha. So, should you so choose to not listen to my sermon, perhaps you could think about that. The second thing um, to think about would be the sermon, and, and I challenge you to that because you, there might need to be a little extra thinking going on as we consider the new covenant, the new covenant presented to us by Jeremiah. And, and, and to bring everybody up to speed, we're in covenant month here at St. Paul's. If, you, if you're not aware of what that is, you could almost, but not quite, think of it as a New Year resolution. But of course, New Year's resolutions don't usually work out so well, I'm sure as, as many of y'all have experienced. And so this idea of a covenant is a, a, maybe a recommittal to God. We're inviting God to work on us, to help us out, to, to draw us closer together, to, as we'll talk about today, to know Him better. And so our covenant with God, perhaps, is, is a way that we can remember, remember what He's done for us in Jesus Christ. And so April or January 29th, we will fill out our covenant sheets. I've got one right here. You may have gotten one last week. If you weren't here, I'm quite certain there's some available in the back, and you can please, please, please pick them up on your way out. But, but this is your covenant, and what we are inviting you to do over these next few weeks is to think about what a letter to God from you would say. What would this letter say? And there's some guidelines and instructions, but we're, we're inviting you to write a letter to God and to, to put before Him some things that you would like to work on in your walk with Him, but, but more precisely, things that you would like Him to work on in you as you follow Him and as you, um, as you seek to know Him better. And so these are covenants. There's one for the children as well. Parents, you will do yours with your kids. It's not going to be done in kids' church. Those are available in the back. So, so be praying through that while we preach on it these next couple of weeks. And we began this series last week with Abraham. Abraham establishing, or God establishing this covenant with Abraham, that Abraham would be the father of a great nation, that they would be given the promised land, the land of Israel, that they would be a light to all the nations. And to ratify this covenant, Abraham or God commands Abraham to, to slice open some birds and, and, and some rams and, and, and puts them, makes a path for them. And we, we have this wonderful image of God coming down as a, a smoking torch in a flaming pot and, and to, to, or maybe backwards, flaming torch and smoking pot, but basically to go through this path, to walk through this pathway to ratify this covenant with God. And, and that is one of many covenants in the Bible. And here in Jeremiah this morning, we're, we're talking about a new covenant, but there's one in the middle that we skipped over that we need to, to be brought up to speed on. So maybe if this is available, we can throw it up on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So what is this covenant that, that they broke? Well, if you remember, after Abraham, he did indeed have many, many children. 
and they went to Israel and were, I mean, into Egypt, and they were eventually enslaved in Egypt. And so God sent Moses to lead this people, to rescue them from slavery in Egypt. And they crossed the Red Sea into the, the Sinai Peninsula. And so it says, I led them by the hand. That's, that's God through Moses leading his people out of Egypt, rescuing them, bringing them to the Sinai Peninsula between Egypt and the Middle East, the Saudi Arabia. And they, they go to this mountain called Mount Sinai, and there God offers another covenant, a second covenant, kind of explaining and building on the first one. And, and this is a long covenant, but it begins like this. It's in Exodus 19, uh, verses 5 and 6. Therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a king of priests and a holy nation. A holy nation. And so this covenant that God lays out accomplishes two things, and it has to do with holiness. And the first thing is that it outlines what it means to be holy. Thank Ten Commandments. And then think 400, 500 something laws that build on those ten. And that's God saying, this is how you're holy. He's not, he's not just trying to control them. These aren't a bunch of rules just for the sake of it. This really is, this is God saying, this is what a holy life looks like. It would be in your best interest to seek that and to try to achieve that. Of course, Israel couldn't do it, and they fell short again and then again and again and again and again. Sound familiar? But God knew this would happen, and he had a plan. And so in the same covenant that has how to be holy, it has rules for what to do if you're not holy, if you fall short again and again and again. So let's, let's imagine something for a second. This is the temple of God, okay? And so you, you come into the temple, and all of us unclean people— um, and I don't mean smelly unclean, but maybe that's the case. All of us unclean people are down here, meaning we're, we're, we're sinful. We can't approach God. And, and we're looking up here at, at this temple. And there where Mike is, is, is maybe where the priests would gather. And every, you know, pretty frequently they would make sacrifices. And they had all sorts of different sacrifices. And they would, they would slay these animals, but they would basically stay right there where the altar rail is. Now this won't surprise many of you. But up on the stage would be the Holy of Holies, the worship leaders. No, the, um, <laughs> would be this, this, the Holy of Holies would be where, where the presence of God was. The Ark of the Covenant and, and all this great garden imagery about God's presence in there. But you couldn't see it. The priest couldn't see it. There's a big curtain, big thick velvet maybe, curtain, that you, you just think like a theater. You can't get in there. And the reason for that was to protect these unclean, sinful people from the presence of a holy God. Now, one time every year, the, the, the high priest, the chief priest, would, would, would come into this area and he would spend something like a day, I mean, it's ridiculous, hours of preparing himself to make atonement, to, make, to, to ask God for forgiveness of his sinful people. And so he would come up here and prepare himself, and he would go behind the curtain. He would go behind the curtain. Now, that might be 
the most dangerous job in the world. It was thought that if he went back there and he wasn't clean, if he hadn't cleansed himself, he was just going to be dead on the spot. Lightning bolt, bam, you're gone. Do that one day every year to make atonement for his people. Now, that, this was, now remember what we're talking about. This was in order to satisfy the holiness requirement. They couldn't be holy, so they can seek atonement. And that's all fine and great, but they had to do it over and over and over again, and it, it just didn't work. It wasn't working. And, and fast forward now, 1,000 years, 1,500 years, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, and the city is under siege. The Babylonians are here, and they're going to destroy the city, erase God's people, send them out into exile. And the reason is this, because not only could they not be holy, but this sacrificial system wasn't working. And so they were seeing the sacrifices as a way to control God, a way to get something out of him. Yeah, okay, we'll do this worship sacrifice thing, God, and maybe you'll bless me. Maybe you'll make my crops better. Maybe you'll, you'll give me some extra money. If I do this, God, maybe you'll do that. And that was not at all pleasing to God. But in addition to that, you know, they thought, well, what if this isn't the real God? And so they started worshiping other gods just in case. And so they had all these gods and all this worship, and, and that was not okay. So they were, they were punished. They were sent into exile, and, and the old covenants, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Moses, it seems like they were gone, that they were finished, no more. And so we have Jeremiah saying, well, that one didn't work. Um, This is God speaking through Jeremiah. And he's very clear, though, if you look in, in verse 32, this is not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. This is not like the one that I made with my fathers because, look there at the bottom, because they broke my covenant. God didn't do this. They, Israel, we did it. Though I was a husband to them. It's like an unfaithful spouse. And so, a new covenant is necessary. And there are three things about this new covenant. And I'm just going to skim through them but focus on one. One, this new covenant, God says, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. No more stone laws over here outside of us, but laws written on our hearts so that we can obey. Point two, they, I will be their God, they shall be my people. They'll be the people of God in this new covenant, just like they were in the original one, but, but they will be holy through the power of God. And number three, it's all about knowing the Lord. And so it says, I will be their God, they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And this, is, this isn't just head knowledge. This is knowing God. Knowing him better than you know yourself, better than you might know your wife or your husband. Knowing God. This new covenant, people will know God. But, but we get to the very last part of this. The very last sentence says this. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. See, the problem, the problem with Israel, the, 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 the reason they couldn't do the old covenant was sin. Sin. Sin was basically the curtain. Sin was what's keeping us out 
of the Holy of Holies, keeping us away from God, keeping us from having access to God. So they had to depend on this one high priest who was by no means perfect, who had to spend a day preparing himself to go in there and hoping he wouldn't die. Well, everybody else sat out here and watched. That's the problem of sin. But Jeremiah is saying there's a new covenant. A new covenant. And so this new covenant, at the bottom line, really, it's all about access to God. Knowledge of God, knowing Him. And so Jeremiah is promising a new thing, a knowledge of God and a forgiveness of sins. But how? These words may or may not, but they may sound familiar to you. Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. This is the Last Supper. Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you remember from last week, a, a, a key component to covenant, especially in the Old Testament, was blood. Covenants were written in blood. It, what Mike was saying, it, you don't make a covenant in the Old Testament. You cut a covenant. You spill blood to ratify it. And here we have you know, 500, 600 years earlier, Jeremiah promising a new covenant. And here we have Jesus saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is for the forgiveness of sins. The Lord's Supper. We remember Jesus' death on the cross, His death that forgave us our sins. No longer is our holiness, no longer is access to God based on obedience. No longer do we have to turn to someone else to have access to God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the curtain in the temple the Bible says, was torn in two. It was split in half. Anybody can get out of their seat and walk into the Holy of Holies. Not only that, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And what is He doing there? He's praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The new covenant. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road, because it's kind of challenging. It sounds easy. Well, I can accept that, but it's, it's really challenging. And here's why. Because this world loves the old covenant. It, they love it. We love it. We're very comfortable in this, you know, God... Maybe this one, God helps those who help themselves. This idea that, well, I'll work at it and I'll get to God. You know, that is so comfortable in this world that, that, that hard work and who you are and what you do, that makes you, or maybe it breaks you. And we do this all the time, and we're, we're very comfortable here. And not only that, but, but we're earning access to a God who isn't the God of Jesus Christ. It's a God of our own creation, something we make, something that, 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 that theological people call an idol. An idol, so a God of our own creation. And maybe that God is, is success and status, and you have access to this God of success through hard work, 
for your powerful type A personality. Maybe your God is money. You have access to this God through you know, your shrewd business operation and your, your tight rein on your purse. Maybe your God is stuff. Bye, 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 bye. House, two, three, four houses maybe, boats, cars, whatever. I mean, these aren't bad things, but if that's your God and you're trying to earn it, that's a problem. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're God, and this is really a problem. Maybe your God is being a good Christian. Maybe that's your God. And this is an old covenant lifestyle. And so maybe you have to dress a certain way or read your Bible a certain way or pray a certain way or sing a certain way. But you're not doing it for God. You're doing it so you can play the part. So here, I'll just I'll pose this question to you. How's that going for you? Is that working out? Are you satisfied? Is that, you, you, you doing it okay? I've tried it. I still do, and it didn't work out so good. It doesn't work out. And so, this is a new covenant. And, and the way, maybe you just remember this, if nothing else. In the old covenant, our action, what we do, comes before our access to God. Okay? So obedience, being the right person, doing the right thing, comes before our entrance into the Holy of Holies. Or maybe the Holy of Holies of our own creation. But in the New Covenant, in the New Covenant, our access to God, our entrance into the Holy of Holies, comes way before we do anything. The foundation, who we are, is because of who God is. And so we're not trying to earn it. We're not trying to be something we can't be. That's the new covenant. That's a new covenant life. And when you leave these doors, it's going to be really hard. Remember that law. It's it's written on your hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of that again and again. And so so we're going to fill out these covenants in a a couple of weeks. And here's what's going to happen. Some of you, we talked about the the type A types, um, your your, your task-oriented and you're going to get your covenant, and you say, oh, I can do this, and you're going to make a list, and it's going to be about 15 things long, and you're going to start checking them all off. That's why I love scratching something off my list. But that's not new covenant. That's old covenant living. And so the question is, what does God want to do for you? What does he want to make you or shape you into, not so you can be a better person, but so you can remember what he's done for you? So you can remember. And so if God, maybe he's calling you to start a daily devotional, maybe that's someplace you're really struggling, and you write that in your letter, Dear God, I want to covenant with you to start a daily devotion. Please help me to do this. You're not doing it to earn status, to earn Christian stuff. You're doing it um, to know God better. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. So let's be new covenant people. The old is fulfilled. Let's be a new covenant people. Let's live like we're up there with the worship team. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your new covenant. For your son, Jesus Christ, who has... Um, 
written your laws, written your love on our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, who has welcomed us to be your people, your holy people. We thank you, Lord, that we know you. We pray that you would draw us closer to you through the forgiveness of our sins. We ask this in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen.